eating plant-based is probably the most effective way to you know make a change a significant collective change in the world so sarah yes <laughs> apparently the vast majority of podcasts only ever do seven episodes is that right <laughs> guess what are we on episode eight we are welcome to episode eight of vegan curious. curious hello we made it fantastic so we got over the hump we did uh we are now an official podcast because we've done more than seven episodes i know we're almost gonna be we are doing they're gonna keep going and then finish having see the end of a series then have a little break aren't we yes we're gonna do 10 episodes before we have a little bit of time off to go on holiday and uh and get married yep well not to each other <laughs> 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 I think your husband might have something to say about that. Yeah, probably. And my wife. Yeah, there exactly. You go. Yeah. Um, so, but... We Thanks have, for the clarification. We have got an excellent episode in store today, haven't we, Ashley? We certainly have, Sarah. Because we have a very special interview. We do. With uh, the wonderful Anya Carlin. Indeed. Uh, She's so, an amazing woman. It's a, such such an interesting interview. So, and yep. I know you're a massive fan, aren't you? I am, of course. Yeah, I absolutely am. So, for those that don't know, um, Anya is a vegan uh, cook and an author. Um, she's published three successful books now. Yeah. Um, and she's just about to release a paperback of her newest book as well. And she spoke to us about all things vegan, including her story so far her approach to veganism and why she thinks it's important and uh, some some anecdotes about what it was like back home in uh, Northern Ireland as well when she was growing up and she had these ideas about veganism. Um, and that is coming up later in the show. So, and as ever, we're going to kick off with what we've been scoffing. So what have you been scoffing? Well... For um, episode eight, this very special episode. Well, um, two things. Yeah. I have been eating unhealthily. Good, I yeah. had... <laughs> Two crosstown donuts. Did you? So at you, the same time? Uh, no, one 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 day and one one the day after. <laughs> so that's pretty bad game, really, isn't it? But yeah. they are unbelievably addictive. So have you ever had one? Yeah, I have. They're they're really banging. I love them. So um, yeah, they are um, made from sourdough. They just taste divine. Uh, the chocolate one is fantastic. I had admittedly done like a massive amount of exercise. Okay, so you're saying you deserve the Crosstown Donuts? I deserve donuts. the Crosstown Donuts. Is it um, like one of those things, a Crosstown Donut a day keeps the doctor away? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. They're really good. So um, <laughs> No, they are really, really They nice. are fantastic. I don't judge you at all for that. Okay. Um, but I won't be having one of them for another month, probably. Yeah, that sounds sensible. Honestly. <laughs> so, um, no, the interesting thing I did was with Palomar, we went to a restaurant called Stem and Glory. So, mm-hmm. do you know Stem and Glory? Um, I've heard of them. Uh, I think that I'm right in saying that they're sort of posh take on super healthy vegan food, aren't they? Um, yeah, right? uh, yeah, they do. I mean, they do uh, basically one of the, you know actually one of the dishes they're most famous for is their um, their vegan English, which is like a brunch type thing, which mm-hmm. is scrambled tofu, tempered bacon, mushrooms, avocado. So that's not super healthy. 
But um, just to give you a bit of background on STEM and Glory, they're originally the first STEM and Glory was in Cambridge, mm-hmm. and uh, I've got family in Cambridge, and they're always every time I go up, they go, "Have you been STEM and Glory? You should go. Have you been?" So I'd, I'd never been, but then fairly recently they opened in Barbican in London. So we went down with a friend of mine at lunchtime, and we had a meal, and I have to say. Both of us were absolutely raving about it. Um, they do like a lunchtime special, so it's two courses for, I think off the top of my head, 15 quid. Um, and it's a really interesting selection of things that you'd expect and things you wouldn't expect. Mm-hmm. So one of the things you wouldn't expect, they do kimchi pancakes, which are Ooh. quite amazing. Basically, you know, kind of... It's like got olives in it. Um, they're very kind of salty, but, you know, really, really interesting. And then I'm going to pronounce this wrongly, but uh, the aubergine chamula. Do you know what chamula is? <laughs> I don't know what a chamula is. No, well, neither do I, but um, basically no. it was aubergine on a really interesting <laughs> On a bed sauce. of chamula. <laughs> yeah, basically. There was uh, quinoa and pomegranate. <laughs> basically loads of, like, uh, vegetables and fruit with long words. Difficult to pronounce vegetables. But it was, yeah, it was really interesting. It was, I mean, it was lovely food. And then um, the other thing we had as a starter, we're probably still on starters, is the, um, they had, like, this... Um, golden hummus uh, homemade golden hummus platter which was uh, mm. hummus with turmeric and chilli and it was just fantastic it was absolutely brilliant Yum. and then for the main course I went for their luxury lasagna which they recommend the, the guy who it says this is one of the most popular I mean basically it's very cashewy bechamel sauce really really mm. creamy aubergine courgette um you know i think there was some soy in the in the kind of bolognese stuff really really good and my friend she had the tacos of balloon corn with cochinita pibil so what's cochinita pibil you got any idea um it's a it's a mexican thing isn't it because i seem to remember that there's something similar to that on oaxaca's menu <laughs> yeah i mean it was oaxaca-esque yeah. i have to say um, but it's basically it was jackfruit. Um, okay, yeah. And my friend who, you know, is a bit jackfruit agnostic, to be honest with you, absolutely loved it. So, Stem and Glory, mm. we love you. We will be back lots. Oh, definitely. If I they, really want to go now. If they do a season ticket, then we'll be uh, probably putting the money down for that at some point. Brilliant. But they were very good. So... That's what I've been scoffing, but what have you been scoffing, Rave Sarah? Reviews. Um, so I, uh, just one thing really, the highlight has been um, that I finally tried Wagamama's new vegan dish. Okay, because you tried this last time, didn't you? And you uh, screwed up or something. Basically, I tried to go on the day that it launched. Yeah. I thought it might have been the day after launch, and they didn't they didn't have it. Um, and I went into the one off Carnaby Street in uh, near Roxas Circus, and they were like, "No, no, we don't we don't have it yet. We'll come back tomorrow." Yeah. Um, and so I <laughs> diligently went back, uh, not to the same one, to another one, and I finally managed to have the uh, new dish, which is called Avant Garden. Okay. Because they've created it in partnership with Gaz Oakley. Now, you know, Gaz Oakley is a vegan influencer. Yes, he is. That's right. That's exactly right. Uh, he has a blog. Okay. Well, it started with a blog. He's got a blog and it's called Avant Garde. Okay. Um, so he's the Avant Garde vegan. Okay. And he is cool and trendy and, uh, you know, seems like he's an incredibly lovely man and he always wears a denim jacket so okay. he's obviously super cool and he's created this dish with Wagamama. Can I just say Sarah Collins is wearing a denim jacket today <laughs> so you're not biased at all are you? No obviously not uh, only cool people wear denim jackets. Okay. No the point of this dish though yeah. is that 
it includes a vegan egg. Okay. So it's supposed to be a half, you know, like when you go to Wagamama's and you have a sort of pickled egg, you might have a half an egg or something like that on the side of something okay, yeah, or in a yeah. soup or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's his take on that. Okay. And it's coconut based. Yeah. You're not a big coconut fan, though, are you? Well, I don't like coconut-based cheeses. Okay, that's right. the thing. I do, I do like coconut milk and I like coconut yogurt and things like that, but okay. not, not such a fan of the cheeses. However, um, this was really good. So it it's served with like um, these strips of seitan that are sort of marinated and they taste absolutely delicious it's like a barbecue sauce and then it's got kind of brown rice and like a few other bits but really the highlight is the seitan and the egg um it's quite healthy except for the fact that you're eating some strips of seitan um but the egg itself is is actually really so the texture is bang on it's yeah. really really good if you if you were to eat it and you couldn't taste it you would think that it was egg like definitely but it does <laughs> yeah, taste yeah. like coconut i mean it's like it doesn't, okay. it doesn't taste like an egg it, it it's um very much a sort of slightly different take but the texture was completely there it was really creamy if you stirred it through it kind of had the same consistency and the yolk was runny Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, I don't know how they did that. So you recommend it? I would recommend it. It was really good. The only the only complaint I did have was it the texture was all the same. Mm. You know how sometimes you get vegan dishes and it, it, and it can be a bit samey if the texture's all the same. It needs something to, like, give it a bit of crisp or, you know, something a little bit chewy okay, or yeah, something yeah. a little bit different to kind of mix it up a little bit. That's the only thing that I would say about it. Basically, if you had to go back there now, would you have it again or would you have something different? That's Is it going to be your regular so or not? Because d- I know the right answer to this no, question. No, it's not going to be. It won't be, no. You're going to be back on the sweet potato, aren't you? So the yasai katsu is, yeah. is, is just the dream, basically. It's so, so good. And I don't think I could... No, that's not going into retirement. Also, it depends what mood you're in, but the soup, I think it's called uh, Kari Barosu Ramen, is yeah. also really, really nice. Mm. And to be honest with you, I probably preferred both of those to the Avant Garden. Really? Yeah. Okay. But they're all super good. So it's really nice to have a repertoire of three or four things that you can have when you go out for dinner, it, right? It, it's At a chain co- restaurant. It's called choice. Exactly. It's a concept it's vegans refreshing. aren't particularly used to. Exactly. So it's quite refreshing. Do you not find it confusing? <laughs> no, I love it. Um, it's good that they've added another dish and I'm fully in support of Wagamama's introducing more vegan food because I love it there. Our guest today is Anya Carlin, uh, food author and influencer, and we spoke to her from her home in Penzance. So there are a couple of moments where the rural broadband lets us down briefly, um, but stick with it because she's absolutely fascinating. So Anya started off by telling us a little bit about how she got into veganism in the first place. In all honesty, when I retrace my steps, I, I can't quite figure out what the sort of trigger was um, for this vegan journey, if you will. Mm. Um, I do remember, obviously, we were living in Chicago at the time, and I was already a food blogger, obviously not a vegan food blogger. Um, So I had, you know, a huge interest in food, um, loved to, you know, cook from scratch, was really interested in produce. And I was in sort of food heaven in Chicago because it's a a big foodie town. Um, and it was just that I kept seeing this word vegan crop up. Um, and I'd never actually even come across the word vegan at all. 
that was the first thing that piqued my curiosity. And I bought a book, um, the, the Alicia Silverstone book, um, The Kind Diet. Mm-hmm. And I just thought it was brilliant. And I, and I remember reading it and it really obviously, you know, got the cogs whirring and, and made me think. And, and I and I gobbled it up and I was, you know, using all the recipes and uh, her succotash recipe, by the way, and that is so good. Really recommend that. You know, it kind of just started from there. And, and, I, and I said to my husband, um, I'm going to do this vegan thing for about three weeks. Do you want to join me? And he was like, yeah, yeah, I'm up for it. Anya spent some time living in Chicago and she also told us a little bit more about what it was like becoming vegan in Chicago about eight years ago now. Yeah, well, it was actually towards the end of our time, really, in Chicago. So I would say about 18 months into us being there. Mm -hmm. Um, So we had, you know, uh, taken full advantage of all the American cuisine, shall we say. Um, (laughs) Hence probably why we weren't feeling in tip-top shape. Yeah. but yeah, and I'd, I'd had, I'd started the blog and the blog was going again. I think I started it pretty much when I arrived in Chicago because long story short, my husband was working there. He had a work visa. I didn't. And so I kind of poured all of my energy into this blog. Um, so yeah, no, it was about eight years ago. And, and as you know, said you know there's not there wasn't a lot of information out there um you know nutrition wise or anything like that um it just you know it it wasn't something that you know i i didn't sort of it wasn't very visible on yeah. the internet um and there weren't m- many vegan blogs and and obviously you know i didn't know anyone in person who actually was vegan um so yeah. yeah, I guess we didn't really know what we were getting ourselves into at the time. I mean, obviously now people are like, but where do you get your protein? What about B12? And you know, all of that stuff that people really concern themselves over. And I guess we kind of walked into it blindly. I mean, she touches upon that again in, in that Alicia Silverstone book. So it wasn't like we were completely oblivious to it, but you know, it wasn't sort of this huge concern that was hanging over our heads. Um, and we just kind of... I guess made it up as we went along and it was a good thing obviously that I was um you know a home cook a confident home cook and willing to try things yeah I guess obviously your thinking has evolved since then when you initially became vegan um and obviously um, there's so much more information out there now people mm-hmm. are so much more educated and aware of um you know the impact of eating a plant plant-based diet on the environment and yeah. on their health as well so what in your opinion is uh you know, why does the world need more plant-based eaters? And I guess what's your philosophy on veganism in that way? I mean, I suppose like the simplest sort of way to say it is that the way that we're consuming at the moment is not sustainable. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's sort of, I'm saying that in a very broad, general sort of way, it, you know, and I'm not even just talking about food. I'm just talking about our, our general consumption is just at astronomical levels and it's just you know you want that thing and you want it now and you know it doesn't matter what the repercussions of that is you know we're but we're slowly I feel like we have turned a corner and people are becoming more conscious consumers and, and conscious eaters I guess um, and obviously you know eating plant-based is probably the most effective way to you know make 
a change, like a sort of collective, a significant collective change in the world. Um, you know, that's not to say that, you know, you can't, um, you know, sort of have a positive impact and, and not be vegan. But I think that, you know, we need to be thinking about reducing, you know, our consumption of meat, reducing our dairy consumption, you know, so yeah. I guess like for me, I don't, I don't have this sort of dogmatic approach. Like I know what works for me and I've, I've been very, very careful and conscious of not imposing that on anyone else. Mm, yeah. um, I think, you know, my family would be the first to say that, you know, I, I generally don't bring it up. I generally don't talk about it unless someone else brings it up to me. Mm. Um, you know, I remember my dad, he, he was a big meat eater, uh, loved the sausages and you know he made this big um fry up one night and he uh brought it into the conservatory and he used to always have his dinner on his lap and he said um he brought it in and he suddenly got really um this is way at the beginning uh, when I first went vegan and he sat down and he just looked at his plate and then looked at me and he says do you want me to eat this somewhere else and I was like don't be ridiculous dad I was like you know <laughs> we will still eat together we will still you know sort of share you know sort of a table and we will still you know what I mean I don't want this to be a defining thing that kind of you know separates us you know you must eat your meat in a separate room or you know and exactly yeah and, and several years later he actually went plant-based himself so really yeah he did yeah it was wow. he, got, he got ill um and he was the one who then actually came to me and he said let's try this plant-based thing and for him it was mainly the fact that he didn't feel like he had a lot of control in his illness right. and the one thing that he could control was what he was putting in his body mm. um and and yeah I think it did really really help him um I think he was amazed at himself you know there there is a shift happening yeah um and, you know, it was happening quite slowly when I first went vegan, or at least it felt like it was, you know, the, the, uh, there's, um, he Colin Campbell, they have this, um, course, um, that I actually started and never finished, which is terrible. And it's kind of like a plant-based nutrition course. It's at Cornell university and you do it online. Okay. And he talks about these shifting paradigms and, and, and how things are beginning to change. And it's really a mindset, you know, it's, it's how we view the world and view the whole system and, and actually when we kind of look back through the decades you know a lot of the problems um that we're currently experiencing um kind of began in the 50s and it was industrial farming and things like that you know um that kind of post-war we will never go without again you know that that's actually damaged us in the yeah. long run it yeah. hasn't helped us having more um and having a you know sort of having that, you know, immediate sort of gratification, it hasn't actually helped us. Yeah, exactly. And I think also people are, you know, it, it's got to the point now where people have finally made a, a real tangible link and almost everybody's aware of it between, you know, the amount of meat they're eating, the amount of, um, like you say, the consumption that um, we're pursuing as, as human beings and the impact on the planet mm -hmm. uh, and the environment. And, you know, I think all, all of these high profile films and, and TV programs um, and everything that, you know, people like David Attenborough are doing is, is obviously educating, you know, the the public and everybody's starting to become a little bit more aware, aren't they? And, and you do tend to find now that 
even people that you would have never thought would become vegan or even consider a plant-based diet are eating less meat or at least thinking about eating less meat, which I guess is half the battle, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And and I think it is about making it accessible, um, you know, and, and being sort of non-judgmental uh, because, you know, when I first went vegan, you know, that kind of, those kind of in-your-face tactics, they wouldn't have worked with me. Yeah. Um, it actually would have made me run a mile, I would imagine. And I, so I kind of thought, mm, that's not for me. Um, I've got to find my own way and I've got to find my own approach. And, and thankfully that has been probably the main reason, you know, my books have been so well received is that, you know, that there's none of that, um, yeah, sort of vegan dogma. Uh, in any of the books it's you know very much you know you can come to it from you know whatever angle you want to come to you know that the recipes are you know they're simple they're tasty they're satisfying um, and I kind of feel like if you can you know win people over with delicious food you know you're almost halfway there I just want to live my life the way I love my life mm. tread lightly and and do my best because you know it's not again i think you know there's this notion of you know veganism equaling perfection you know and people picking holes in your lifestyle oh but you're not really vegan because you know you are driving that car and that car you know is using animal products so you're not really you know yeah we could we could pick a thousand holes in each other's you know lives um, but does that really service us? I mean, I just don't think so. We started to talk about Anya's books, uh, most of which are bought by people who are just getting into vegan food. Um, so she told us a little bit about that, as well as some good gateway vegan dishes for people who are looking to get into plant-based food and want to eat something really super tasty. So she started to give us some recommendations on that. I mean, I would say most of the people that have bought my book are not vegan, or at least they weren't vegan when they first bought the book. Yeah. Um, you know, I got a lot of messages from, you know, parents and grandparents whose children or grandchildren had gone vegan and they simply didn't know what to feed them anymore. So they reached for my book and, you know, th there was a lot of familiar food in there. And I, I think that's basically the key to it all is when you're sort of first embarking on this um, journey, you know, familiarity, you know, because if you're diving into raw veganism, you're not going to last a week. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's quite alien. It's a, it's a very sort of you know alien concept, um, and and again, I don't know if that is sustainable, especially in our climate and stuff. And I mean, and that that was the other thing that you know, um, I really thought about. You know, because we were living in Chicago and it was bitterly cold. Yeah. Um, so there's no way that we could have gone. It would have been ridiculous for us to even think about going raw vegan. Um, you know, if we wanted, you know, soups and stews and casseroles. And so, yeah, I mean, obviously the things like, you know, the macaroni cheese, um, which is an American dish really. Um, but it's but so delicious. Yeah, it's really popular here now as well. And it's, made, mine's is made from butternut squash basically. And it's, there's a little bit of coconut milk in there as well. Um, I guess you could add cashews, you know, for extra creaminess, although I don't think it needs it. 
Um, and then you've got your greens because you've got the crispy kale on top. And I, again, I think that's what's so crucial, so important with vegan food is texture. Yeah. Because that's the one thing that you're going to be missing. With the, if you're used to eating meat all the time and you just suddenly remove it and you're kind of left with just soft, you know, sort of textures, yeah. um, you're not going to be satisfied. So, and, and that's why actually I do think there is a place for a lot of the faux meats that are coming out now and faux cheeses and things like that, because it does, I mean, they are really great tra- transition foods for people who honestly don't know where to begin mm, yeah. um, and want that familiar taste and flavor and texture in their mouth. And, and also, you know, the huge thing about, you know, food in general is that it is about community. It is about sort of making connections, making memories. And with plant-based food, it kind of seems devoid of all that mm-hmm. at the moment, you know, we could, because it's not, it's so new, you know, um, that it does feel quite unfamiliar and, you know, it doesn't necessarily give you that warm, cozy feeling that your mom's rice pudding might, you know? So yeah, exactly. Um, that, that yeah, it's about veganizing those dishes, I think. Um, and I do have a great um, rice pudding recipe in the new vegan. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, there's, there's lots of dishes like that. You know, there's a mushroom Wellington um, in Picture Vegan that is massively popular. Um, and then, you know, you can kind of work your way up to, you know, making sticky bow buns or something, you know, something a little bit, you know, more challenging or out of your comfort zone um, and using ingredients that might not be that familiar, like, uh, my favorite at the moment is gochujang, which is like a Korean, a spicy Korean paste that I use in like a, either soups or stews. Um, so yeah, you know, start sort of easy, start familiar, and then eventually you can sort of start working in these, these more, um, yeah, sort of challenging kind of recipes and dishes. Yeah. And, and working in an aquafaba mousse or something. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Don't knock the aquafaba. Like you said, some of your books are very much about kind of introducing people to vegan cooking and, and, and being that facilitator to help people become more plant-based. Mm-hmm. Is there any advice that you would give to people about um, going vegan if they're thinking about it? Anything, any tips or things that can basically make their lives a bit easier? I mean, so many really. Um, but, you know, I think the main thing is just go easy on yourself. You know, you, you might slip up and you might eat something accidentally or you might be in a bind and you can't find anything vegan and, and you know, you might have to have the vegetarian option, you know. And I, I think a lot of what happens at the beginning of, of someone's sort of vegan journey <clears throat> is that if they do slip up, they kind of flail themselves and feel absolutely terrible about it. Um, and, but it, you know, it's not about, you know, oh, overnight vegan, um, you know, I'm doing this perfectly. I'm not going to, you know, have any slip ups, make any mistakes. I mean, I'm still, you know, trying to tweak my own lifestyle, Pr- probably not, obviously not with regards to food, but more, you know, I probably could be reducing my plastic consumption. It's something that weighs on my mind, you know, daily. It's not about being perfect. Um, I would say if you aren't a king cook or if you're one of those people that, you know, comes in from work and you just need something there and then, then obviously preparation is key. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not really something that I necessarily had to worry about because, um, 
you know, I, I know that I can just like whip something up in, in five, 10 minutes. Um, but if you're not someone who knows that they can go to a fridge, you're going to the pantry and kind of cobble something together that's balanced and nutritious and whatever else, then I would sort of spend one evening per week yeah. um, prepping, you know, a bunch of really simple meals that you can either refrigerate or stick in the freezer. You now live in Cornwall, don't you? Yeah, in Penzance, yeah. Penzance, beautiful part of the world. Um, <laughs> but I imagine that you travel quite a bit. Uh, so I was wondering where where have you experienced the best vegan cuisine? Is there, you know, one place that you've been to that um, is particularly vegan friendly or, you know, any amazing food that you've had uh, that you can recommend to listeners? Um, well, actually, the one place that I have visited that I probably didn't realize at the time was a great sort of um, country for the, uh, vegan food was Israel. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went there when I was a teenager twice. I went when I was 16 and then I went when I was 17 or 18 again. And that was actually my first eye opening foodie experience because up to that point, you know, I was just girl living in Derry, Northern Ireland, you know, let's just say my palate was quite limited. Yeah. Um, you know, I remember when my granny first um, bought a kiwi and this was just, it blew our minds. We were like, what on earth is this thing? You know, so like we, <laughs> I do think we were probably about 10, 15 years behind um, mainland UK. Yeah. Uh, we just didn't, you know, things like avocados, you know, which were probably popular here in the 70s. I mean. I'd never even heard of an avocado. And now, obviously, I think like Tel Aviv is like the unofficial capital of veganism. Tell us what you're up to then. Um, Obviously, you've got a busy summer ahead of you. Um, I think you've got some cookery classes coming up and a paperback version of um, Cook, Share, Eat, haven't you? Yeah, so we haven't got a release date yet, but sometime in the autumn, there will be a paperback version of Cook, Share, Eat, Vegan, which I know is... A mouthful. Um, I also have a couple of cookery classes coming up in Truro and Cornwall at a place called Philly Way. And that's going to be a really fun day because it's going to be virtually the whole day. We're going to be cooking tons of dishes. Uh, we're going to have a beautiful lunch together. We're going to have lots of vegan wine. Um, we're going to chat. We're going to, it's, my cookery classes are very laid back. Um, and it's all about the chats because as you can tell, I like to yeah, talk. Um, so yeah, we, we just kind of keep it very low key, um, and just make some delicious plant-based food and, and enjoy it. But thank you so, so much, um, for being a guest. You've been fantastic. Thank you. Thanks, Sarah. No animals in your meals. Nothing tastes as good as being vegan feels. Come join us if you're vegan curious. Don't feel sad, don't feel blue So it ain't so bad, I swear it's true Just use the right condiments And you'll even like tofu Don't be furious Just be vegan curious Life is good, life is sweet When on your plate there is no meat Come join us if you're vegan curious
Come join us if you're vegan curious.